0: FACELESS CHAPTER 2 FATE's machinery got into motion elsewhere that same Monday dawn and placed on a string two destinies joined carefully at their scenes by an unclear thread. Like a shadow crossing paths at the beginning of death's uncanny ways, Cabria in the comfort of her modest home, in a middle-class suburb of Accra, remembered that her regular garden egg and tomato vendors at the ibubroche market would be expecting her. The mother of three children between the ages of 7 and 15, events both in and outside the home sometimes got her thinking that those ought to be most impossible of all ages. Married 16 years to Adade, her architect husband, Cabria passionately loved her job with MUTE, Mute a non governmental organization that was basically into documentation and the information build up. And with equal fervor, she loathed the figure that appeared on her monthly salary slip. But stopping it all was her shamelessness about her special attachment to her old handmade down thank you thank-you-very-much-other-day 1975 VW Beetle, nicknamed Creamy. The mother, wife, worker, and battered car owner that she was, no day passed that Scapia didn't wonder how come the good Lord created a day to be made up of only 24 hours. Because from dawn to dusk, domestic schedules gobbled her up, office duties ate her alive, her three children devoured her with their sometimes realistic and many times very unrealistic demands. While the icing on the cake, their father, needed to no more than simply be her regular husband and she was in a perpetual quandary. Her first child, at 15, had reached, so to say, that age, three years after her grand entry into the teen world, three more to qualify to vote. And as much as Cabria could recall, Obia said goodnight to her one night, baby-faced, flat-chested and all, only to wake up the following morning, sporting a blossoming bosom and a pair of fairly rounded hips. The result? Obia threw both Cabria and Adade into absolute turmoil. There she was, one minute their little girl, next moment protesting any reference to her as their little girl. And while Cabria suffered her period of discomfort in silence, praying to God for guidance on how to deal with her now physically maturing daughter, Adade, for his part, retired to bed each night wondering if the time had not come for him to maybe invest in two bulldogs to discourage potential young male whistlers behind the wall her second child Essie was nine and the source of a different kind of worry to Cabria. Essie was born at midnight. Cabria ignored the age-old superstition that alleged Midnight Bones grew up with their feet everywhere else but firmly on the ground. She should otherwise have performed a rite like touching Essie's tiny feet three times on hot sand, three days following her birth to nullify the dreamer jinx. Nine years on and she couldn't help but wonder at times if maybe, just maybe, she had not underestimated that notion after all, especially when it came to some of the methods and timing of Essie's financial and material demands. These normally followed a certain peculiar pattern. “Mom, she would begin, you worry too much. Do you know that you worry too much it's not good for you don't you see as though cabria herself thought of worrying as an essential vitamin as though she deemed it to be good for her soul as though she worried just for the sake of worrying of course continually she found herself counting and recounting the money in her purse with the deepest of frowns and cancelling out items on the household shopping list sort of doing the financial balancing act none of which i see would take note of money is for spending mom you know she would go on like a crooked preacher from a disoriented pulpit we came to meet it we will leave it behind then she would drop the surprise something like but if you like i will hold on with my blouse till tomorrow blouse what blouse Cabria would yell between the desire to shove a piece of cloth inside Essie's mouth and her maternal urge to exercise control and be patient even in the face of such an outrageous and inconsiderate provocation from no less a person than one of the three in her life to whom she had given out of her womb free of charge for a whole nine months, not one single month's rent charged. It's a tube top, Essie would reply gingerly as though just descended from another planet. souped up? Didn't you just see me count and recount the money in my purse? And an unperturbed Essie would say calmly, That is why I said I would hold on to it till tomorrow. Oh, that was why you said? Who said I would have the money for you tomorrow? Where would this spring from? And in response, Essie would be at her dream at best. Mom? You see, that is why I said you worry too much. Tomorrow hasn't even come yet, and already you are worrying about it. See? Her last child, Otu, was their only son. And what an attitude Otu carried upon his little shoulders for being an only boy. It was as though seven years ago the good lord above had summoned Otu's then ancestral soul Announced his intention to clothe him in flesh and dispatch him down to earth via Cabrias womb And so gave him the option of choosing the sex Otu would want to be on earth Mm -mm. And so gave him the option of choosing the sex Otu would want to be on earth Oto chose to come as a male only to realize upon his descent into Cabrias life That indeed he had done her a big favor with his decision to the good Lord because she had two daughters already and was desperate for a son and he always held cabria to ransom whenever a situation sort of demanded it for example when he lost his school lunchbox for the second time in a term and cabria decided to act tough and decreed that she was going to make him go to school for one whole week with his lunch packed in a black polythene bag out at her unexpectedly mom do you know that i cut short your problems by coming as a boy and earned you respect cabria was so taken aback by it that she found herself asking what problems the two launched into a self-promotion campaign i have a friend at school There are six six children yes in this day and age that is where my friend is special And Cabria wondered where this was leading. Otsu, please, every child is special. Every child ought to be precious to the parents, be they even 10 or 20. Mom, you don't understand. Otsu reproached. He is also the only son, just like me. And his grandmother said he is special. Very special. Cabriera began to suspect where the conversation was leading and asked carefully. Hmm. did he say why his grandmother said that yes you see by coming as a boy he earned his mother plenty of respect and ended her pains her pains yes when you are bringing forth a baby they say it is painful very painful no Gabrielle very stubbornly ignored that her beloved son went on unperturbed anyway you see my friend's grandmother said that had my friend not come as a boy She, being my friend's father's mother, would have insisted and ensured that my friend's mother continued to bear bear more and more children till she bore a son. Really? Yes, and because of that, his mom never punishes my friend. If you like, when you take us to school tomorrow, I will tell him of you and ask him yourself. cabria turned down the offer with stiff politeness and told her son that like his two sisters he too was special but definitely not because he was a boy and would have been equally special had he come as a girl next was Adade, who always rose from bed early each working day at 6am never one minute earlier which was a whole hour after cabria his expectation to find his breakfast table laid, ready and waiting, after he had hijacked the bedroom for 30 minutes and used another 15 minutes to dress up, was always met religiously by a He never came to breakfast table without a newspaper in his hand. To other day, that would be akin to wearing shoes without socks. So that sometimes he would rather reread read a newspaper he had already read and not read at all at the table. His motto was that old news was better than no news and if his head was buried in the newspaper and Cabria asked the question all she got was a nod or a shake of the head for an answer. Sometimes stubbornness and frustration pushed her on to persist till she got him to open his mouth but the often brief and snappy reply was always never worth the energy she invested in her persistence. After work, Adada normally met with friends at a drinking spot to socialize over bottles or beer. To release tension, he would say, every man needs that to hold on to his sanity. Cabria often wondered which of them needed a more urgent release of tension. Shouldn't it be she, after being labeled the weaker sex had to in spite of a full-time job perform all of her traditional duties at home without an iota of relief every day after work while other set off to go and release his tension she had to go and pick up the children from school head straight home and change clothes and go to the kitchen to see to dinner only to have him declare thirsting on arrival home after releasing his tension oh cabria i am so tired finally creamy the car had been in and out of every kind of workshop from abeka to zongo so many times and undergone all kinds of clinical and plastic surgeries that it seemed to have grown immune to both creamy was a name that cabria held so dear to her heart that she once asked Adade with the extent of her passion when he dared to put it to the test. It, it was after one of Creamy's many plastic surgeries, which left it so tattooed that it required urgent respraying. Unable to squeeze anything out of her meager salary, she sought help from Adade. Don't you receive a salary? Adade asked. No, don't get, Mister. Don't get sarcastic with me," Gabrielle retorted. If I had had the time to study further as you did, I would also have been reaping the benefits today in terms of a better salary. But I was busy making babies then. Remember? It was a line of arguments that they always tried to avoid. Okay," he said, simply to shut her up. But come the subsequent first day, and second day, and third day and neither word nor assistance came. Cabria cast her mind onto the daily bottles of pears, quaffed in the name of releasing tension, and paid Adade a surprise visit as his fine office the fourth day. To to too furious engine and exhaust heralded in tattooed arrival. And Cabria, who meant business, parked it right beside Adade's brand new Toyota Corona provided him on loan by his employers. When Adade saw his wife and her car, he prayed desperately for the earth to open up and swallow him whole. Cabria Cabrera compounded his embarrassment by deliberately soliciting for more attention with her loud and gay hellos to all of Adade's co-workers, then in their full attentive glare hopped gingerly onto the car and drove away in the same 2 fashion her little coup it had paid off other day came home that night with the required carpets. is it cream cabria asked other day gave her a look to kill what color is it she pressed blue he snapped blue she roared yes metallic sea blue what kind of bits and pieces colour is that? She wailed. Adade flared up, utterly flabbergasted. Bits and pieces of a colour? Yes, Gabrielle howled. How do I call my creamy, creamy after it has been sprayed with metallic sea blue? Adade was so shocked that he didn't know what to say. He was so furious that when he attempted to speak, it came out as a wheeze. He returned the paint the following day, declined the offer to exchange it at a little inconvenience cost for a cream color, and told Cabria, bluntly, that for all he cared, she could call at the office 10,000 times a day with her tattooed 222 creamy. After three weeks, he gave in to her stubbornness and determination to drive creamy in its tattooed state rather than have it sprayed any other color than cream. So that was Cabria, the regular wife, mother, worker and car owner, minding her own regular business, until she went that Monday morning to visit the Agobuloshi Market for some garden eggs and tomatoes. And that was chapter 2 of Faceless, written by Amar Darko and read by Marcel Israel.